Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself and Doug Norrie this and every week as we get into the action for all things Brooklyn Nets. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day of the week, a lot of weekends too. I'm Doug Norrie, owner-operator, DFSR.com. Got you covered for all of your DFS betting needs for the NBA, MLB too, so go check it out at DFSR.com. And that is Adam Armbrecht. He's the silky smooth voice of the Nets on Sportscaster, also the host of the One Giant podcast covering the New York football giants. Got New York sports on lock, buddy. How are we doing while we're also streaming live on Locker Room? Hey, watch that explicit tag. Fuck you, Philly. Oh, we're going to have to watch it. Well, now I'm going to have to mark it. Why'd you, well, you know, I know how to do, don't know how to do the bleeps yet. I should know how to do the bleeps. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> we can get one out. Should, we can do one. We can do one every handful of episodes. If I just need to send a message across the wire, we'll see you in the playoffs. You, you know, for, for a team and a player like Ben Simmons, who, you know, and I get it. I, you want anyone would want your team to be competitive and be locked into these kind of games. But if you're going to throw shade, and they were up in this one. We're going to get into it, I know. But if you're going to throw shade, you better come out and make a heck of a statement. And it turns out that the Brooklyn Nets and the backups were the ones making the statement in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, this is it's really interesting. We're going to talk about this whole game. I, I think that you and I went into the game. We were texting before the, everything kind of got underway. And we were texting about how you know we're going to locker room tonight. And it was kind of a bummer that Durant wasn't going to play. Clearly Harden's out. Uh, our boy Chris Gios, not like it was really going to matter, but a fractured hand. So he's not going to be there. Really, if you throw the point guard uh, tag on a player, uh, heads up. Because you might not make it through the season if you're a Brooklyn Net. But the... Um, <laughs> Though, so like we were kind of looking at this game, be like, oh, it's just shame, man. It's national, te- it's national TV, it's ESPN, it's going to be Embiid, it's going to be you know Embiid and Simmons versus this uh, this Nets team. This could be a preview of a clash that's going to happen maybe in the Eastern Conference Finals. All this stuff, and then before the game starts, you're like, well, they're playing on a back to back when they weren't supposed to, and Durant's not going to play, and the starting lineup looks a little bit weird. And I think we kind of had this feeling going into the game of. Um, I don't know, like maybe a schedule loss. I don't know how you how we want to put it at this point because the season's so fugazi at this point with the schedule. But um, is that? I mean, would you agree that that's kind of how we were feeling going into this game? And I think it played. We I think we also agree it played out in a completely different way. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the national kind of uh, perspective on when it came out that Kevin Durant wasn't going to play. A lot of the other guys that we're talking about, some of them are, are specifically are injuries, like, like a Tyler Johnson, some of the smaller role players. And then you look at uh, a Blake Griffin, a LaMarcus Aldrich, some of their reasons why they're out, and obviously KD being the big one, Harden still dealing with an injury. But the whole kind of thing was like, oh, you're going to hold out KD. This is supposed to be that big statement game. And I just think from a Nets perspective, you can you can try to get into that if you want to. But for me, the biggest, the most important thing for them is health. 
And the most important thing is having these structures in place around guys coming back from injury, especially Kevin Durant. So the fact that Philly fell on the schedule, and and we know there was the postponement, so this created a back-to-back, it wasn't going to all of a sudden flip the script for them, and they were going to change how they approached this game and and what their timeline and structure was for Kevin Durant or for any of these other guys. So it, you know, that that piece of it to me was uh, it's just irritating, I guess. I'll, I'll put it that way. It, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I agree with everything you said as far as coming into this game. I wanted to look for some things, see how some matchups played out. And then really, from the starting lineup, it, it gave us a different look than I think what either one of us anticipated. Wait, real quick. What was, in, what was irritating to you? With the, the part where people were annoyed by it or the part where they just didn't play? Which part was irritating? Oh no! I, I was only bothered. I was bothered by the fact that that they were that there was they were trying to create this national kind of media narrative that was, oh, these are supposed to be the big games. You guys want the number one seed. Why aren't you playing them? Everybody wants to see this matchup. It's the you know the the, the third game in the season series. All those things. It didn't bother me at all. They didn't play because all I care about is what they're going to do in the playoffs, right? I, I mean that that's the most important thing for the Nets team and for Nets fans. So the idea that they were going to go all out to make a statement against and again, by they they made a statement against Philly and they did it without a lot of the key players for them yeah a hundred percent sorry for sorry for misunderstanding the uh the uh, general idea of what you were talking about no totally agree this is not these games don't matter I get that they matter in the sense that they're fun to watch it's not like we said it's on the ESPN Doris Burke our favorite the whole thing but it's it it really isn't part or parcel for what's going to happen for the rest of the season it doesn't really matter they could sit out everybody right now, basically. And so I know that that's not what fans want to hear because it's not fun. It's not a fun experience to make the admission that certain games of the season simply don't matter when you get to a certain point. Uh, That, unfortunately, is just where we are with the Nets. Now, especially when we're talking about, like, James Harden wasn't going to play this game anyway. He's already hurt, right? So there's a a few pieces that were just going to be, no matter what the situation, that was going to be kind of, you know, where they landed. There was some thought process about why KD played the game against Minnesota and didn't play this one, right? So I'm not exactly sure, probably because they didn't. it wasn't going to make sense to give an additional day of rest and then pile it all together on the back end. Like the rest makes more sense if he plays that game and then goes forward. That's my guess is probably what they uh, thought. But no, I, t- I totally agree that it's annoying. And I also agree that like then these these games for the Nets are not the important ones. It's going to be when they play Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals, when it's like Game 6, Game 7 of that series maybe, or whatever it's going to be. That is what Nets fans, and, and I get the part where Nets fans aren't used to thinking like this either, right? Like this is a very right. weird feeling. This is a feeling that has not been around in many, 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 and I could keep going gears. It's that this is <laughs> when, you were, when you were on a championship run, the stakes change significantly around these games. It's and it, you just can't, you cannot look at this one and circle on a calendar, especially this year. Circle Philly, circle Joel Embiid, circle Ben Simmons, and be like, "Yo, we're gonna go out here tonight, and we're going to make a statement, and then they'll see what we're gonna get, and they're gonna get in the playoffs." That's just not how it works anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that at all. Right. And so when we get a situation like that, right, you can't really be, um, it, you shouldn't be disappointed. You should be. Uh, appointed? <laughs> What's the opposite of this? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You should, you should, Pro-pointed? You be, I don't uh, know. Is that, is that a thing? Pro-pointed? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's so weird because I, I, I'm clearly not a word. But the um, the that's just what we're going to get. And you made a good point, which I just totally skipped over the part where Aldridge didn't play and Blake didn't play either. So they were just playing so thin on the front line. And then we get one Mr. DeAndre Jordan with the start 
and they and they run out a different lineup than I kind of expected. I expected DJ to get the start, I guess. I thought they would keep Shamit coming off the bench. Just to rewind here real quick. The starting line for the game, Kyrie, uh, Landry Shamit, uh, DeAndre Jordan, J- uh, Joe Harris, Jeff Green is who ends up taking the court uh, to start the game. Were you surprised? I guess we can kind of do this first, talk about this for a second, and then go into the rest of the game. But were you surprised to get DJ to the start here or kind of expected it? And do you think, because of the Embiid thing, and do you think this this is a signal for what the plan is is actually going to be when they make the playoffs, no matter what the health of the team is? Well, one of the things I will say is interesting, watching watching DeAndre Jordan out there, everyone knows kind of how you and I have felt about him going back to last season. But then you bring in a guy like Aldrich, you know, another veteran player who who's has his limitations to his game. I will say watching DJ in this game does remind you and you know, you can now you have a comp where you go, well, here's this other guy, another vet that we brought in. And you see when when certain matchups become a problem for Aldrich as well. This was the sample size where you go, all right, listen, DJ is, you know, he's a, what, 250 pound, whatever he may be out there on the court. He's still outmatched against Embiid, obviously. And also he can give you a nice run. He can give you good minutes. He set the uh, second highest franchise record for uh, rebounds in one quarter in this game. And, and, and they weren't small rebounds. They were actually important. He played solid, significant minutes. And to your question, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think you and I alluded to this a little bit in the in a worst case scenario. DeAndre Jordan is going to be sent out there to have a big smile on his face as he tries to irritate and beat in a playoff series. And, 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 and that would be an incredible value for the Brooklyn Nets to save some of these other players that you want to be able to have, certainly, especially on the offensive end, in the mix to be able to, to be involved in the screens and then also perimeter shooting. And we know that's what... Uh, DeAndre Jordan lacks in his game so you're gonna need to find these fouls somewhere because anyone at the four or five tonight did get into foul trouble fairly quickly so you're gonna need to be able to run out bodies that you're not going to be worried about losing maybe midway through the third quarter oh man I couldn't disagree anymore about this uh, the, the DJ take I'm glad that we didn't talk too much about this ahead of time I'm actually glad we didn't text during the game either because we usually throw out a text or two you don't think that they'll throw him out there in the playoffs oh I think they do I just didn't think he played very well I, I thought <laughs> I thought that was it was I, I think they will do it and I think that uh his game. These. I'll talk about the stats in a second. I have. I have some thoughts here. Uh, we are live. Live on locker room right now. Yeah. Uh, cool to see a bunch of people in uh, up in there. We're gonna call people forward as we get rolling a little further down into the show. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Rock Auto. Buying car parts these days can be a total disaster. Uh, It is just, you know, you're walking to a local place. You don't know what you're getting. They disappear into the labyrinth in the back. They come out with some unmarked box. You think it's the right part. It's not totally clear if it is or isn't. They kind of send you on their way. They kind of just want you to leave, not Rock Auto. This place has been around for 20 years selling car parts online, and it could not be easier. Drop-down menus after you type in the make and model of your car. You're just gonna. It's so easy to search, and you know that you're going to get prices 30 or even 50% better than some of those local places, and forget about the mechanics. I'm not even going to get into the mechanic prices. So rockauto.com has everything your engine needs right now. Makes it super easy to find it. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle all the brands, all the prices right up front you, right up front for you, best deal you're going to get. Reliably low prices and the same for the professionals that you're going to get like those and the do it as as it is for the do it yourselfers. If they ask you, how'd you hear about us? Just type in locked on into that little field, just like our podcast network. They'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Today on 
Locked On Today podcast. Get more of the sports news that you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. Listen, you said we're live on Locker Room. The, the, the room is swarming to my side in a quality performance from... Uh, from DeAndre Jordan. Listen, I, I think if I encapsulated it in a way was there's a sequence when he bites on a little bit of a fake on Embiid and then he ends up getting the foul call, etc. But then there's a couple sequences right, you know, close after where I thought he did, he did a nice job of just keeping himself in front of Embiid. Like Embiid should be able to absolutely destroy DeAndre Jordan every single possession. The fact that he even, and this might even play more to what Embiid's, but but no, but he, but he didn't though. He didn't though because if he had, he would have punished him down inside the entire time. The, the sheer fact, and, and you can say because this has been a, a knock on Embiid over the course of his career that he's willing to lean into you know more perimeter shooting or more mid range game than really using his body and his force. I just you know the the, the mere fact that. DeAndre Jordan had Embiid taking some jump shots and some foul line looks. That that's a win. I by the way, I didn't. I'm not setting a high bar for DeAndre Jordan's. You know what you call success rate. Like it's not. You need to shut down somebody to have had good minutes. We know what we think of DeAndre Jordan for what he is. I thought he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I um don't. I don't think he had a good game. <laughs> I think that. And now look, my bar is also very low for him, as 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 everyone's should be. He's barely played basically since the Aldridge trade, and we kind of expected that. So it's not. I I hate to kind of bang on the guy because I know he just played 26 minutes I know that he double doubled I get all that I watch the game I'm aware of I'm aware of the stats here okay it's that the idea okay so two things one he didn't really stop Embiid missed a lot of very easy shots early in the game almost all of these rebounds especially the ones in the first quarter were like of the easiest variety of all time because they were just a little bit short uh very easy looks for Embiid that oh, yeah. that that came that basically front rimmed them and DJ just didn't there was no box out there was nothing they just kind of landed in his hands so i i i kind of push back on the idea that there was even much of a speed bump here on Embiid, especially when you look at the... Because like his thing, his 39 and 13 was not really a hollow, um, <laughs> just kind of like running up the numbers thing. Like This easily could have been a 50 and 13, I think. And it really wasn't the play of DJ. There was a few moments where I think he probably bodied him enough. But in general, I, this is going to be a real problem in the playoffs. Now, in, is it going to swing a series? Here's the good news. I actually don't think it swings the series. Well, let, let, if then, let me reframe it. Let, let me, no, no, because so there's two. You're, you're about to touch, I think you're about to touch on saying about if it sways a series or not. People have asked me this, and I've said, I don't think I was talking to uh, Peter Bukowski when you know, I've talked with him, and I said, well, no matter what, Embiid's going to get his numbers against the Nets. I mean, against most teams, he's going to. So it's never going to be about shutting him down. But the other question I just want to throw out to you was, would LaMarcus Aldrich or, you know, Blake Griffin, I mean, you know, name the guy on the Nets roster that's going to do whatever, whatever, however you grade the performance. There's nobody else that's going to do a, a, you know, I'm putting per, uh, air quotes here, bet a better job against Embiid than what DeAndre Jordan gave them tonight. I don't think is there is there another guy that you that you're going to put on when you think you're going to get better results because I think that Aldrich would have been absolutely smoked against him if he had been on the floor tonight. Um yeah no so that was going to be my next part. My next part was going to be it probably ends up not mattering and I probably in the end wouldn't even bother starting him because if they have the rest of the offense and I would even prob- probably throw mm. Aldrich into this group because at that point if the offense is so good 
this is where I was kind of going. I was going to kind of, I was, it was actually really maybe pointless to take a, a dig at DJ in this case because I was just going to go into this thing next where I said it didn't matter. I kind of more wanted to make the point about the Jordan thing, which is where if you, not you, this is a collective you, the collective you can look at this final line and for, for Jordan specifically, like his final box score line and think, man, he played really well. And I'm, I, I'm pushing back against that idea, right? Like, it's like, mm, like that's, yeah, it's yeah. mostly that idea. It's not, it's like, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's fair. Like yeah. I'm, I'm pushing against like, oh, like, oh, DJ played a great game. I don't think he played a great game. And, and, and I'm most, and I was not really kind of counteracting you, counterbalancing uh, you. I was more counterbalancing what I believe the fan take would be around when you look at a 12 and 14 line in 26 minutes and I would say that's about as hollow of a 12 and 14 as I've ever seen and the next part was going to be in the playoffs I wouldn't even bother kind of like trying to front him too hard for too many minutes he being Embiid and just worry about just running rough shot over them at the other end where you just kind of, where you make it a real problem for them you get into lane you actually try to work to get him in foul trouble going back the other way which is not going to happen with DJ on the court Go, kind of work out work work kind of like back to forward in that sense and say look we don't need to body with Embiid if if the idea is going to be that he's going to get his numbers anyway like if he's going to drop a 39 and 13 against the best option they have, then at that point just throw somebody else out there where the offense can be better and let's just be done with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I land with the DeAndre Jordan piece. No, no, no. That that makes sense. And I think again, maybe I you know, <laughs> I'm coming in overhyped on. That was the that was a great game for DeAndre Jordan. And and, to, and we've said this all the time about the the hollow numbers that sometimes you can get. Guys, even guys are across this roster are going to get more impressive stats specifically around sometimes around rebounds than the game really really dictates to you because at one point in this one too, the Nets were out rebounding the Philadelphia 76ers I think by 20. And it and, and that's a very hollow stat to look at when you're watching the game on a possession to possession basis, but when we talk about Lack of of hollow or fullness, gosh, perfect phrasing there. Kyrie Irving's line in this game without Kevin Durant and without James Harden and everybody else in there, the 13 of 22 and 10 of 10 at the line and 37 points in 33 minutes, there was nothing hollow about that. And I think, you know, things to take away from this game, we talk about big picture. If you can't stop Kyrie Irving with nobody else on the floor with him, and they did, a, they did a nice job frustrating Joe Harris in this one, I thought, Philadelphia defensively, but if you can't stop Kyrie Irving, if you can't contain him when it's just him, you've got no chance to stop a full-strength Brooklyn Nets team. I, this game, to me, should be a very puff-your-chest-out kind of game for the pro Brooklyn Nets standpoint, and it should be worrisome if you're Philadelphia fans because I think it's just it's indicative, again, of how... I just think that they're, you know, I'm not not trying to take a dig here. They're a bit of a soft team. Like, you know, Embiid, you're getting frustrated by DeAndre Jordan. Elise Johnson is getting under your skin. Like, (laughs) this should not be the case for you guys in this game. And it's all predicated on the fact that you weren't able to fully close this thing out as early as you should have. Oh, yeah, totally agree. And I probably buried the lead a little bit by talking the DJ game. Um, It was more, I want to just say this and then I want to talk about Kyrie. The, The response to DJ is there is really just the response to Embiid because when we're looking at when we're looking at it toward the end of the season, if we're looking at this game as being a um, as like sort of a litmus test for what the Nets are going to do in the playoffs when they maybe ultimately meet the Sixers, the DJ piece becomes important in a way that it is not important at other times. 
and going just in the other direction, which I was saying before about the offense, which is if you were going to take a guy like Kyrie Irving with essentially no help that he had in this game, right? There's no Kevin Durant. There's mm-hmm. no. There's really nobody else that can score off the dribble at all on this team at this point. That's that was at, like playing tonight. Uh, I sham. It's like the most reasonable facsimile for that, and that's really not his game at all. He's kind of was he was pressed into it tonight because they don't have anybody else. Jeff Green gets pressed into it a little bit because again they have nobody else. But if Kyrie, if Kyrie is able to do this against some of the very best defenders in basketball and a, a couple of the very best like, transition defenders, a la Danny Green, some of the best on-ball defenders, a la Matisse Thibel, and then interior defense with Embiid, if he's still able to sort of get points at will when it's on his own, and they might as well have just held up a neon sign that said, hey, guess what, on this possession, I'm just going to try to score on you. <laughs> like that was, that was essentially the playbook for a lot of possessions in this game. Uh, then that's going to be big trouble. I do want to keep talking about this Kyrie game here in a second. First, have to talk to you about betonline.ag. BetOnline, absolute fastest and easiest way to get bets in on all of your sports action. NBA every night. NBA, absolute roller coaster with some of these betting uh, lines when it comes to injuries, who's playing, who's not so much to take advantage of on BetOnline. Plus NHL, MLB rolling every single night. BetOnline has everything you need, real-time updated odds, props on anything you can imagine. They got you covered for all the news and scores as well. So it's basically just a one-stop shop to get all of your bets in. Head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up. You can do that for free, but you're going to want to make a deposit. And when you do, 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. But you have to use the promo code Locked On, just like our podcast network. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And of course, you can get more of the analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. They got scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage four days a week from credential draft experts. You can follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. I'll let you dive right back in on the, on the Kyrie piece and just what you saw in this game from him. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna glow a little bit harder. Yeah, so okay, so a Kyrie thing that I think very much happens to him, and sometimes it's to his detriment, but in a season like this, it really, those, these situations have been fewer and far between, is that he knows who the best defenders are in basketball, and I fully believe that he, like most superstars do, says to himself, oh, let's just see about that. Right. Like, let's just see what they actually mean with a team that is as long as it gets. Ben Simmons. I left off Simmons when it came to defenders before. He's among the best as well. Uh, You know, when you start a team with Ben Simmons, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and I'm Seth Curry, but that's he's there just for the spacing. The other four guys are excellent defenders three of those guys are like elite defenders Simmons Green and and Embiid then you bring in another elite defender and Thibel off the bench I know that his minutes weren't crazy but 20 minutes for him actually is a lot and it actually speaks to them wanting to get more on ball help uh, when it came when it came to Kyrie and he was able to put a couple of these guys on skates sometimes it was that he just didn't even he basically just took it right at them like just rising up and over guys who are way longer and just, you know, again, some of the best defenders in the game. And I do think that there's a little shine in, in, uh, in Kyrie's eyes that kind of lights up when he sees and knows that these are the guys that are going to be on the other end of whether it's transition or just half-court pickup where he just says, well, let's just see what they mean by best defender because 
almost always my offense yeah. is going to be better than your than your defense, and that was fully on display tonight. Yeah, I thought that the fact that he was able to, and it feels like these last few games, and it's not that it's not anything new in his game, but the left-handed touch that he's been able to work in, in, into that repertoire with with what feels like even more consistency of late, it really puts you in a difficult spot defensively. And the thing about it in Embiid, as good as he's going to be offensively, and we know the impact he can have on the defensive end, but if you're Kyrie Irving and you can be quicker than him, especially getting to the baseline, right? If he's caught out in space, and this probably speaks even a little bit back to your point about who you want to have on the floor as far, as far as pulling Embiid away from the basket a little bit defensively. When he when, when Kyrie Irving gets to the cup, he's one of the best finishers out there. We know he can do it in the mid-range game as well. And I just, even the facilitation was there in, in this one as well, in, in spite of the lack of the supporting cast. I, do you think that this is the kind of game that bolsters Kyrie Irving's thinking on how he wants to approach it when it comes to the playoffs? Because we're always talking about the balance. So does he look at this and say, I know that I can go after these guys with consistency when it really counts? Or will he be able to settle into that facilitating, balancing Kevin Durant, Harden? You you know what I mean? Is there any concern? I I don't want to make a concern. It was a fantastic game from him. Or is this something where Harden and KD are sitting there watching going, hey, looks looks like we already have their number on Kyrie alone wait until we get out there and really start spacing things. Yeah, I actually think it's the other thing. I think it's that the, hey, good luck when there's one or when there's two of us on the court of all time at all times, then this you're dead, <laughs> right? Like this is what you got when it was one of us yeah. on the on the court. And I that you just only played 33 minutes and this game was close. I want to talk about the end game here in a second. But um, I think it's a situation where, hey, you got 33 minutes of Kyrie and then basically just, you know, some end of the bench offense, offensive guys. I, I get that everyone's like a, they have some good, some good role players and stuff out there. But for the most part, these are not most of the guys that played tonight are not going to be really featured at all when it comes to playoffs. And still, Kyrie, I think it's more it's more that piece. It's where, hey, you're never going to get a break. You can't stop this when you knew it was him coming up the court almost every time and you put your best defensive foot forward, and it still kind of didn't matter that much. Mm. Now what happens when Landry Shaman is James Harden and when Jeff Green is Kevin Durant? You know, <laughs> like, that's it's more of that problem yep. than, it is, than it is the, um, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to take advantage of it. I think, it, or whether or not he's going to be able to fill, find his role. I think they've shown in the few minutes they've been able to play together, and for sure the minutes that the superstars have overlapped, because the at least two of them have basically overlapped a decent amount this season, and not as much Harden and Durant, I guess, but um, is that he has been able to find that role, and he, I think, he has realized that that role works for him the best when he operates within the flow of the offense and doesn't need to play hero ball stuff, and that's where I think we've seen less of it. Let's talk a little bit about the end of this game here. Um, Besides just the comeback and the, so that's a coaching piece and then just a, and just like a, just a higher level coaching piece that your opinion on. And then just, you know, if if there was anything to like really get excited about here, but do you think at the 250 mark, am I right at 250? 252. (laughs) Yeah. 250. Well, 234. Claxton hits the first three throw. Oh, Claxton. I, we'll, we'll talk about him tomorrow. I, like the Claxton game. I, I, I get that people are, are mad that his minutes have gone away. I, his game has taken a step back. The, um, they cut it to five with, uh, with 230 left. Do you think that the starters should have come back in there to try to win the game? Or are you of the mind that like this was the bench's game to come back and win and like we're going to be okay with it? I just want to start from just that piece right there. 
Yeah, no, the Nets are down 22 off of a run from the Philadelphia 76ers. It's the bench unit that leads the 10-0 run back to get them back within 12, and then it continues to chip away until you get to that point. You're down five. No, I, I, I think there's something, again, big picture stuff, right? What you're seeing is guys, even, you know, Claxton, Elise Johnson, all, you know, Bruce Brown is in there as well, along with Shamit, and even TLC for whatever the results are that you're getting from him. But I, I, I think it's important that you reward that unit with seeing it out, whatever the result's going to be. Because again, even though they come up a little bit short, there's a couple of little sequences. Lise Johnson has a sloppy pass out of bounds. And he, you know, just really, you could see how disappointed he was because of the opportunity there coming off of a defensive stop. But you still can take away a ton of positives from that for the second unit, for the role players. Kyrie Irving's not going to, you know, the starters aren't going to take anything away from coming back into the game and maybe closing out and, be, you know, and completing the comeback and beating Philly because they already think that they're better than them. You know, Kyrie Irving, like we just talked about, right? Kyrie Irving already showed that he can do what he needs to do against this team. So there's nothing to prove there for any of the starters. There's everything to prove for these role players that, hey, when Doc Rivers, by the way, sends back in, you know, Embiid and Ben Simmons and gets the starters back on the floor to close this thing out, the fact that you hung with them, that's a feather and that's a feather in their cap. That's something that they're going to call back to when it comes to a playoff series against this team, as opposed to the other way around. And, and listen, all the stars for, for Philly aren't going to, you know, get caught up on this game by any stretch. But you had a hard time with Nicholas Claxon and Elise Johnson and the like. You had a hard time finishing this thing off, and it took a couple of mistakes from the bench unit in order to close this thing out ultimately for you. So, I, no, I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. I think once you commit to it, you don't want to take guys that you basically said, you're down by 22, we're done, starters are out. You don't reverse course on that. Once you've done it, then I think you stay committed to it. Yeah, I'm of two minds about that. I gr- agree with you. In a, like The fan part of me is like, yeah, like let's see if these guys can finish what they started. I, I do think there's a cool narrative to that. The other part of me, and it's maybe more of like the pragmatic side, says the point for everyone is to play well. And if you happen to be part of the group that kind of got them back into the game, you still understand who the better group is, and that is the starters. And like when it's and if you and if you get this sort of run hot miracle where you where you're able to claw your way all the way back, it's it's like it's like you got I don't know what what's it called like you found free money. But it doesn't mean you need to just go out and spend that free money. Like you can still make judicious decisions around it, right? You can still say, "Hey, we got a mm-hmm. miracle move here, and we can pull back in." I, look, I'm, I, I, in the end, I don't really care. I, it's, a, it's still a fine thing. There is part of me that that understands why the uh, the, the starters don't come back in, and it sometimes feels like a preordained decision that didn't need to have been just because you decided the rest of the starters doesn't mean that you can't kind of cut like you like again you found some money on the ground hey let's go do something good with it <laughs> right like let's not just spend it on booze and just like have you know go out to the bar for the night and just buy us a couple rounds we're still allowed to make good decisions with it so yeah i don't know maybe i'm just being too nitpicky but um that was kind of my feeling at the end it's yeah like, well, there's no no one one last piece of it, too, was to me, if you bring back in the starters and even beyond Kyrie, because one of the guys that had a difficult game in this one was Joe Harris, you know, and so the lack of other talent that creates the spacing gets those looks. Now, Shamit had to pick up that slack, couldn't do it from beyond the arc. You know, that's the only difference here when you look over some of these lines, right? Jeff Green went 7-14 from the field, but he and Shamit combined 2-10 of 10 from beyond the arc, just two attempts from downtown for Joe Harris. He only played 26 minutes in this game. But if you bring the starters back in, 
And again, I'd be fine with it either way because you would be completing this comeback. But if you were to bring them back in, I think what you're also going to do is put, you know, long term, it doesn't matter. But there's going to be more frustration for Joe Harris. He's been having a rough game. And then again, I'll harken back to like Kyrie Irving put his stamp on this one. He looked across to Philly and said, you guys can't stop me. What beyond, a, you know, the dagger three pointer that, that seals the deal and gets the comeback win? I get that. But what if there's a couple of nice defensive sequences by Ben Simmons on him or by Danny Green or whatever the case may be, or Embiid prevents him in and around the rim getting a key bucket? That, that I think, can shift what the sense of this game is between these two teams. And even in a loss, I, I still think all of the energy, all of the hype, all the excitement, and all the satisfaction is on the side of Brooklyn. So I wonder if there's a balance there. But to me, my biggest hesitation in it is just the the ramping down of any of the starters and then trying to bring them back in when they're probably at that point getting to the you know getting to that stage of icing down my legs and you know taking off the last you know five six minutes of this game. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm probably just being too minute picky, and I don't want to end it on a, on a bad note here because the good note is I think even for a loss. This game did not feel like a loss. This game felt like a, I don't know, moral victory. I know those don't really count when those don't count a lot of times. But when you're a really good team and you still find ways to sort of take moral victories, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. If you're Cleveland, you're not really trying to take moral victories at this point, right? Like you're like you're actually just trying, or maybe you're <laughs> right. Just, well, exactly. Cleveland wants every ounce of it and wants to get this win. This is what they'll hang their entire season hat on, right? Oh, real quick, when we stop the locker room, I got to tell the whole most hilarious thing about the. I watched the Cleveland game the other day, but I'm going to wait till after we're out of <laughs> out of here, and I'll, I'll say it in locker room. All right, uh, like I said, we've been broadcasting live in locker room those uh, that have been hanging around much appreciated we're going to get in and bring you forward here in a second for everyone else listening make sure you jump into locker room with us next week also go rate and review the podcast wherever you listen we'll be back again tomorrow we'll do some more breaking down of this game as well but in the meantime rate and review wherever you listen hey listen we're feeling bullish in brooklyn modesty is not one of my virtues at the time virtue was not one of my virtues frank w abignail Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.